Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. As always, the podcast is brought to you by Goliath Technologies, who can help IT pros be proactive and anticipate, troubleshoot, and prevent end-user experience issues, regardless of where IT workloads or users are located. And also by Liquidware, creators of FlexApp, the most feature-rich application learning product on the market today. Check out whatmatrix.com for a full feature breakdown of all application layering products on the market. Let's get right into some news. Mary Jo from ZDNet reported a follow-up to a story I covered two weeks ago on the mysterious Windows 10 version that is already in testing but won't be released until 2020, which is well outside the norm of the usual development and testing cadence for Windows 10. Contrary to much speculation, the reason could actually be pretty mundane. Last spring, there was a big Windows reorg, which resulted in Windows engineering moving to the Azure team. Azure has been using a customized version of Windows 10 Server as the core of the Azure platform. But the team behind the Windows Core OS may not have really prioritized Azure up until now. Beginning with the next major update to Windows Core, which is the guts of Windows, the Azure team at last will be using the most up-to-date version of Windows Core instead of a much older version. Moving forward, the Windows Core features the Azure team once will get top billing. Long story short, it appears that this reorg has caused this kind of difficult transition period, and these different teams that are now unified are working towards getting into the same release cadence. Hopefully by these teams working closer together, this should have a good outcome for stability in the future. Tom Warren of The Verge reported this week on the prospect of Windows Lite. A story I covered almost a year ago, Windows Lite has not seen the light of day as of yet, and at the time that I reported on it, it had been thought of as somewhat of a Chrome OS competitor. In Tom's article, he suggests initially Windows Lite will target a new category of device, a dual monitor devices. Dual monitor devices are something that Intel has been pushing OEMs to adopt as a new hardware category. If you watch the YouTube version of the podcast, you could see what I'm talking about. But if you're not watching the video, essentially some of these devices look like tablets with two screens that are foldable, kind of like a book. That could be pretty interesting in the consumer space. A Chrome OS, Windows 10 Lite type of OS, or competitor to Chrome OS, would definitely be of interest in Enterprise. This week, USB 4 was announced, boasting up to 40 gigabits per second transfer speeds. USB 4 will build on top of the Thunderbolt 3 technology, which Intel shared as a standard with other chip makers royalty-free. The publication of the full USB 4 specification is currently due to arrive in the second half of this year. Earlier this week, Microsoft announced they have open-sourced the Windows Calculator under the MIT license. Much like other Microsoft-owned products that they've open-sourced, you'll be able to find this on GitHub, which they now own. As newly awarded Citrix CTP David Wilkinson reports, To improve the security of the Citrix virtual apps and desktop service, Citrix will block any communication over TLS 1.0 and 1.1 as of March 15, 2019. Everyone be warned. If you've been following the podcast, I've talked about a lot of other vendors who are also cutting off TLS 1 and 1.1. 
So if you're still lingering around on those, it's time to get your act together. And what could this mean if you're a Citrix customer? Well, Citrix receiver versions lower than 4.2.1000 on Windows are 12.20 on Mac, 13.2 on Linux, 3.7 on Android, or 7.0 on iOS could be affected as you use older versions of TLS, these older versions that will no longer be supported. Scott Williams, or at IP1 on Twitter, noticed something very interesting. When prompted to update Java on his machine, he went ahead and did just that, but was met with a pop-up screen suggesting that Java had not been used in over six months and was actually recommended to uninstall it. I reported on the podcast that there would be a feature to prompt to uninstall old versions of Java that were unused, but what's interesting here is with this implementation, it raises a question. If you only use the most current version of Java, and it tells you when you're going to install the latest version of Java on top of that, that you should remove the version you're on because you haven't used it in six months. Well, what are you going to do? I mean, you just uninstall Java because you only have one version, which was the latest version up until this upgrade. And clearly you're not using it. So why would you even upgrade at all? Just uninstall Java. It's a very odd approach for a software vendor to take essentially telling you to uninstall their software, but hey, I mean, kudos to them. Neowin.net had a very interesting article this week. They claim to have somehow got their hands on multiple screenshots of Microsoft's new Chromium-based Edge browser. The screenshots show what looks like Edge, but with a Chrome frame, and probably the most interesting aspect, an Edge extension store. It seems as though Microsoft may try to filter the extensions they intend to support. Despite this, however, the article does suggest you could still install any Chrome extension by going to its install page and just installing it. I guess time will tell if you'll still be able to install or add any Chrome extension in the future. I hope so, but maybe for an enterprise browser they will take the approach of not allowing that and providing you the option for just a select bunch of vetted extensions instead. At this point, who knows? My buddy in Citrix Rockstar, Sean Donahue, posted a very interesting video this week. A discussion filmed at Citrix Summit with Microsoft WVD, our Windows Virtual Desktop, Program Manager Scott Manchester. Scott stated the Citrix-Microsoft relationship has never been stronger, with Sean quipping that he says it's like they're in a 30-year marriage and the kids have just moved out of the house, so they're on their second honeymoon. There has been rumors abound about what WVD could mean for Citrix. It is good to hear that Microsoft and Citrix are still very much working closely together. If you don't already, you should follow Sean on Twitter. That's at SeanDO4040. You'll want to follow him to see every time he posts a new video podcast. His video podcast series is awesome. In the episode, Scott also addressed the acquisition of FSLogix and what that could mean for Windows Virtual Desktop. So if you're interested in that, definitely check it out. Microsoft posted a blog about System Center 2019. It appears this release will try to bridge some of the current System Center on-premises features and tools with Azure services, making products like OMS more tightly integrated with the suite. It's great to see updates for SCOM too. SCVMM will support HCI deployments and some new storage optimizations. You may be asking, what about SCCM? 
Well, System Center Configuration Manager is not impacted by the 2019 release change and will continue current branch release cadence of three times per year. So if you're not keeping score, SECM moved to a different release cadence, which is why there's not much to report on in relation to this announcement for SECM. Some congratulations to end the news segment this week. Congratulations go to all Citrix technology professionals recognized with this great honor. This was a year of many new awardees with 17 newbies joining the program. It was an extremely competitive year for the program, setting a record for number of applications received. Congrats to all new and renewed Citrix technology advocates also. These are two very select exclusive groups featuring some of the best and brightest in the tech community. I would be remiss if I didn't mention Stephanie Roper at this time, who is an integral part of the success of these programs and is terribly missed. I'm sure all awardees will make her proud. Congratulations also go to all of those awarded or renewed as a VMware V-Expert for 2019. Personally, I think it's awesome that these vendors use a little of their resources and reach to recognize the community contributions of techies out there. Great work, everyone, and keep it up. And now for this episode's weekly webinar. This week's webinar is on a topic that really excites me. It's a Citrix Workspace Masterclass that will be running two sessions on March 13th. The first starting at 9 a.m. Eastern and the second at 2 p.m. Eastern. In this webinar, you will see how multi-factor authentication can be set up to quickly add a time-based one-time password to provide multi-factor authentication. You can see how to set up remote PC access to allow access to physical Windows 10 PCs. You'll see how to work with content connectors and also how you can use workspaces for easing your Windows 10 endpoint device management with policy enforcement and application deployments to support remote PC access and user content. I'm a really big fan of these workspace products like Citrix Workspaces, VMware Workspace ONE, and Software 2 Apps Anywhere, WorkSpot, and so forth. Obviously they have a varying degree of features and are not one size fits all, but I could see these types of products gaining a very strong foothold in enterprise IT. And now for this week's scripts, tricks, and tips. So this week I couldn't decide on just one, so I've got two. First, the great Brom Wolfs posted an article on RDP protocol improvements in Windows 10, specifically comparing version 1709 with version 1809. He states in his conclusion that you don't hear too much from Microsoft about improvements to RDP, which is true, and which to me is why I was surprised seeing the results. The bandwidth usage in 1809 has much improved over 1709. I mean, it's really significant. To check out the metrics for yourself, you'll want to check out this full article, and I will share it with this episode, which is episode 62 on 5bytespodcast.com under reference links. Or if you're watching the YouTube version, it's right there in the description below. And finally, I want to point you to a great blog post by James Rankin. James just posted the most in-depth, comprehensive look at group policy processing that I've ever read. 
explaining the differences between policy types and the fact policies without dependencies can process asynchronously, which can lead to much improved performance. Talks about foreground and background processing and more. I'll be very honest, I hate working with group policy. I have my own ideas on proper GPO design, as I'm sure everyone does, but I never thought about it to quite the level that James has in this article. It's very interesting and could lead to seconds cut off my current logon times. If you're under pressure to bring down your logon times, be it on physical workstations or in RDSH environments or whatever, group policy tends to be the biggest hit in terms of performance for logon duration. So definitely check this one out for yourself. I'll also share the link for this with this episode, which is episode 62 on 5bytespodcast.com under reference links. And that's it for another episode. Thank you guys so much for listening.